Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori. Welcome back to the 20-Minute Scriptorian, where we are going to head into some of the most powerful preaching of Alma the Younger in Alma 5, 6, and 7 next. So welcome back, everybody. I have missed you guys. I have been so busy. I'm sure all of you have with all of the madness that our world is in these days. And so I am really grateful to be back. Hey, I changed the intro. I got some feedback that it was uh, boring and long and you'd all heard it too much. So there's the super short version. So thanks for the feedback. So today we are going to jump right into Alma 5. Now we talked about it a little bit last time in the All About. And I want to talk about the, like, the structure of the speeches and, and the rhetoric of that. But today I want to actually jump into the content. So let's uh, let's turn over to Alma 5 really quickly. So what we'll do is Alma 5, we'll get into a little bit of Alma 7. Then we'll come back to Alma 5. So I want to have you kind of set your minds on this idea. We're going to be talking about ourselves. We're going to be talking about our own conversion. We're going to be talking about our relationship with the Savior. So, um, so this is great stuff. It's really powerful stuff. So I'm excited to be able to share it with you. So let's jump over to Alma 5. And I'm going to just read a few verses so to just kind of remind us where we are. So it's pretty brief, just five or six verses. All right. So f- um, let's go to Alma 5. And then I'm going to start with six. Okay, Alma 5, six. And now behold, I say unto you, my brethren, you that belong to this church, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance the captivity of your fathers? Yea, and have you sufficiently retained in remembrance his mercy and long suffering towards them? And moreover, have you sufficiently retained in remembrance that he has delivered their souls from hell? Behold, he changed their hearts, yea, he awakened them out of a deep sleep, and they awoke unto God. But behold, they were in the midst of darkness, nevertheless their souls were illuminated by the light of the everlasting word. Yea, they were encircled about by the bands of death and the chains of hell, and an everlasting destruction did await them. And now I ask of you, my brethren, were they destroyed? Behold, I say unto you, nay, they were not. And again, I ask you, were the bands of death broken and the chains of hell, which encircled them about, were they loosed? And I say unto you, yea, they were loosed and their souls did expand and they did sing redeeming love. And I say unto you that they are saved. Wow. Really powerful, right? Really powerful. Um, These are some of my favorite chapters favorite verses about what it takes to be converted what what's kind of going on so uh, I'm going to tell you a quick aside of something that happened to me so I hope you are okay with me just telling about myself but when I was younger I grew up in uh, on the California coast I grew up in Southern California in San Diego and when I was about 15 or so, I, you know, grew up at the beach. We swam all the time. And there's some pretty decent waves out there. And if you've ever been out in the ocean, there'll be a series of waves, right? It's not just one set, but um, little waves. And then behind it, there are some bigger waves. And then behind it, more and more and more until you get all the way out to the breakers where after that, there are no more waves. 
And when I was about 15, my older brother, uh, Mike, sorry, Mike, I didn't ask permission to tell the story, but my Mike, uh, brother Mike had been married for a handful of years. And so his, his wife and I, uh, and he, he took my twin sister and I out to the beach, um, just for a day at the beach. And so we were out swimming. Now we had all grown up swimming. We were really pretty good swimmers. So we were out, he was out doing his thing. We we're out doing our thing. But I was by myself. There were other people around, but it's pretty big beach, so you're not right next to people. And I was uh, pretty big waves. As a kid, I remember them. Remember your head, you know, if you're swimming, you're not standing on the water. So it's just you're peeking out over the top of the, the water. And so the wave above your head seems super tall. And there were pretty big waves. And I would say there were a good five or six feet. In my memory, they were very, very big. Um, which I'm okay with. Uh, you kind of duck underneath them and you get kind of churned up and then you keep going. And I was trying to get out to the big waves to uh, do some body surfing, to, to ride the waves back in. But there was this long section where the wave would break and it would push you towards the front beach, push you towards the sand. Uh, it couldn't touch. It was deep enough. I couldn't touch the ground. And then there's like a kind of a, a sucking motion, right? The wave sucks you back into the next set of waves. And I could not swim fast enough to get back into the sand or get back underneath the crashing wave to get farther out. So I couldn't go farther out and I couldn't get farther in. So I'm going to suck me back in, crash. And then I'd swim and I'd swim and I'd try to swim under. So I tried swimming out. I tried swimming in. I tried swimming north and south parallel to try to see if I could kind of break it up. And I was swimming and swimming and swimming and swimming and I couldn't kind of break the pattern I was just completely stuck and I started to get a little bit panicked I couldn't touch I was starting to get really tired there was nobody around there was just they were far people were far from me and here would come another way crash and as soon as you would kind of get your breath here come crash would come another one then I would try to swim in to get where I could put my feet on the ground couldn't make it that backwash would suck you back in and I started to really panic now. Now I was getting exhausted. I was swimming. I was swimming. And then I'd take a big breath, duck underneath the next crashing set, tumble you around again, again, again. I would come up, crash, come up, crash. And I started to panic. I started to really fear for my life a little bit. I was like, I I don't know what to do. I I can't. I, I can't seem to get forward. I can't seem to get back. And I'm getting really really tired and then crash crash you don't have much time between each set and then when I started to really panic started to really get really fearful remember I'm just a kid and it's just my little head bobbing above you can't hardly see that I'm out there my brother swam by he was like hey hey are you having fun and I'm all hey 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 um can you can you help me and so I kind of grabbed around his neck and he's he's a really big strong swimmer so he swam me in uh, to where I could put my feet on the ground. And then off he went. I went in, um, walked into the beach, and I remember just laying face down on the sand, just barely made it inland. Uh, I don't think I had any idea how scared I was or nervous. And I just lay on the sand, just whoa. <laughs> and I was so relieved, the sense of just overwhelming. Here's my, my big brother had swum by and really saved me. I, I was really, really afraid, really afraid um, of, of drowning. And, and have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that absolute fear of, boy, this might be it. This, I'm, I'm really starting to panic here. I'm, I'm really afraid. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that absolute relief of being saved or 
making it out. Boy, I felt that when Mike swam by. I felt that. And when I lay on the beach, I will always remember like, whew, uh, that just absolute, I just, wow, that was, that was really scary. I, I'm so relieved. I'm so happy. And there was everyone frolicking on the beach, having a good time. And just had no idea how, how scary it had been for me. Um, have you ever felt that? As I read through this Alma 5, those were some of the feelings that I think Alma's trying to evoke in our spiritual salvation. That sense of, have you ever felt like you were redeemed or saved or you were in bondage and then you were set free? Maybe it's another story. Maybe you had a work deadline that you made maybe um you had a child that was sick that was um that pulled through maybe uh, you were hiking and got lost think of a time when you've had that kind of experience when you've ha- been really scared when you said i don't i don't even think and then you were saved when you were redeemed when you were trapped and you were set free and out of bondage that's what i think alma's doing Look back to what he says here. He's reminding them, right? Something's happened to the people here in Zarahemla. Then he wants to shake them up. He wants to change them. He wants to remind them what's going to happen. So he describes back this story of being remember. And I love the way he says it, where he talks about them being, uh, their hearts have changed, and then they were in a deep sleep. But he starts with that feeling of being Uh, redeemed out of captivity and now behold I say unto you my brethren and sisters you that belong in the church so these are who's he talking to people that have had this change but spiritually people that are in the church people that have accepted Christ people that have had this great conversion and he's saying have ye sufficiently retained in your remembrance the captivity of your fathers not maybe their captivity but have you really thought about that So let's pencil that in ourselves. Have we remembered some captivity of our family? Some deliverance that's happened to our people? Yea, have ye sufficiently retained in remembrance his mercy and long suffering towards them? I love that. It's like you have to say, have you remembered how much God is merciful and long suffering? He isn't vindictive. God loves us. God's like, I am reaching out to you. I want to extend mercy. And it it, it helps, doesn't it? When you're kind of scared and you're trapped and you're afraid, he wants to help. I love that that Alma reminding us of that. But remembering back to our family or someone, some other uh, miracle in our family's lives, um, it could just even be maybe it was the pioneers crossing the plains. Maybe it was something happened to you. Maybe it was something happened to your family. Have you really retained that? Bring that right back from up front in your memory. And then, but also remember God's love, his mercy and his long suffering. And then, moreover, have ye sufficiently retained in remembrance that he has delivered their souls from hell? Wow, that's, that's powerful. We don't use that phrase. I can just imagine um, if someone got up at the pulpit today and said, have you, have you remembered <laughs> when you're, Uh, delivered your soul from hell but maybe like my swimming maybe there's a time when you're like I was really really trapped I was really in a bad place spiritually and I remember when he delivered my soul remember that feeling when he changed their hearts 
when he awakened them out of a deep sleep and they awoke unto God. I, I really, really loved that. That, that really evoked something this week as I was really pondering this. This is, this chapter is a pondery chapter, right? You got to really kind of dig in and ponder them, these questions. When I was pondering them, I was really thinking about times in my life when God had done this for me. And this, this wording resonated with me when he changed. It wasn't just that I was trapped swimming physically, but I was thinking about spiritual examples. And this one struck me. It was like, remember when he changed my heart, when he awakened me from a deep sleep and I awoke unto God. I think we've all done that. I, I've, I, this one resonated with me because that, that was me. I've definitely been asleep uh, a number of times and been like, what? You know, what was I thinking? And I remember waking up um, unto God. And, and then uh, he says how it happened. Their souls were illuminated by the light of the everlasting word. The scriptures are definitely there. The word of the Lord could be him, could be the Lord speaking to us uh, through the spirit, uh, through a friend, through a good bishop, through our uh, mom. But when the Lord speaks to us through his word, we can feel, wow, you feel just illuminated and enlightened. Amazing, amazing kind of path to lead through. I think what's so strong about this to me is um, what was happening to the people? Flip over to seven for a second and say, what's happening to these people? So Alma's concerned. Let's take a step back and see if we can see what's going on, and then we'll take it back to applying it to us. Alma's really worried about the people of Zarahemla. It's a big city now. Um, they have, they're clearly struggling, but what are they struggling with? And then what does he choose to shake them up about? right? Shake him up out. So if you flip over to seven, he moves on to the city of Gideon and he tells Gideon a different story when he speaks to them. He does not use the same speech. And in fact, he tells us a little bit about the problems they're facing in Zarahemla. And this is super enlightening. He says this, he says, uh, mm -hmm. he's in verse three and four, but he says, uh, he's talking to Gideon and he's talking to the people of Gideon about Zarahemla. And he says, and behold, I have come having great hopes and much desire that I should find that ye had humbled yourselves before God and that ye had continued in the supplicating of his grace, that I should find that ye were blameless before him, that I should find that ye were not in the awful dilemma that our brethren were at Zarahemla. And then he says, good news, you, you were, you're doing great. And he says, but here's what they were in verse five. He says, what's happening? According to the spirit of God, which is in me, that I should also have joy over you, you Gideon family. Nevertheless, I do not desire that my joy over you should come by the cause of so much affliction and suffering, which I have had for the breath, your brethren at Zarahemla. For behold, my joy cometh over them after waiting through much affliction and sorrow. Okay, so they're having a tough time. So in contrast, but what's, why are they struggling so much? And here, Here's where their trouble is, verse 6. But behold, I trust that ye are not in a state of so much unbelief as were your brethren. Okay, highlight that, unbelief. I trust that ye are not lifted up in the pride of your hearts. There's number two, pride of your hearts. Yea, I trust that ye have not set your hearts upon riches and vain things of the world. Three, yea, I trust that ye do not worship idols. Four, but that ye do worship the true and living God. And then next, and you look forward to the remission of your sins with an everlasting faith, which is to come. So 
what was the problem? What was the problem they were having? There was unbelief. They just didn't believe anymore. But they were lifted up in the pride of their hearts. They were set upon rich and vain things of the world. They worshipped idols, not the true and living God. And they didn't look forward to the remission of their sins. They weren't looking forward to that. Those were their problems. Do we ever have those problems? Do we ever have those problems? And I looked at that and I said, oh, yeah, sadly, if I looked at myself, we saw that. I also wondered um, if we have family members or friends that maybe have kind of strayed or struggle, like we all do from time to time, what would be the recipe to help them come back, right? Help us uh, feel that song of redeeming love, have that change in our hearts again when we were unbelieving, when we were maybe a little bit proud when we had set our mind on the wrong things, riches and vain things, worshiping idols. Now, I don't want you to go, well, no one's worshiping idols, right? But we do. We turn away from worshiping God to worshiping something else. It could be um, the vanities of men. It could be a pursuit of our careers. It could be anything, right? Right? Just sports, music, whatever that we may be put in front of God. But we do that. This is describing our society, in the world today, right? We do these things. And then what was the remedy? Boy, I wouldn't have come to this conclusion if this was the problem. What's shocking to me is how powerful and how clear Alma remedies this by asking us to turn inward, right? The, the little recipe that we just read, he asks us to remember the captivity of our fathers, remember our own deliverance from hell, remember how he changed our hearts awakened us from a deep sleep and we awoke unto God and we remember those feelings. I love verse nine of chapter five. They were loose, their souls did expand and they did sing redeeming love. And I say unto you that they are saved. Remember back to that feeling. I remember back to that feeling uh, when my brother swam by and I was so starting to panic um, just the absolute relief and shock and, and joy. And I remember laying on the beach and feeling the overwhelming gratitude and, and just uh, amazement and singing that song of I've been saved. I, I can't believe it. And I remember those feelings as well in my spiritual path. I remember, I feel so enlightened. I feel redeeming love. Um, and I love the word sing, sing. So one other aside, do you guys remember the Jack Wayland book from like the 80s or 90s about Charlie? Um, wrote this great little book um, about a couple, but uh, about a repentance and the atonement. And they made, like say, Vado and somebody young, they made a, uh, a musical about it. And she has a song where she sings about the song of redeeming love. Uh, I tried to find it. I couldn't find the song. And it's all, I, I'm not going to sing it for you because I don't sing very well. But but that song keeps running through my head. It's such a freeing feeling, right? And, it, and that song just incorporated. But I always think of that when I hear this phrase. You, you hear a lot, have you, uh, verse 12, there was a mighty change wrought in our heart. Um, I love just as much my soul. I did expand and sing redeeming love. I love the the idea too. Did I change my heart and awaken out of a deep sleep? And I awoke unto God, right? We shake off these bands. We awaken to God. We 
change, our souls expand, our heart changes. So instead of attacking, what Alma does that's so brilliant is instead of attacking pride and vanity and love of riches and a turning away to, from idols, he turns it inward. He turns it inward and he makes us ask these questions. He makes us change individually. He makes us really ponder when we felt those things. Um, it's so powerful and we're all like the people of Zarahemla, aren't we? We're all people that kind of think, wow, where do I need to change? Have I felt that salvation? Have I awoken to God? Have I shaken off uh, these chains? Have I changed my heart? Have I wrought a mighty change? And according to his faith, there was a mighty change wrought in his heart. Behold, I say unto you that all this is true. And this is talking about Alma, his father. And he preached the word unto your fathers, and a mighty change was wrought in their hearts. And they humbled themselves, and they put their trust in the true and living God. And they were faithful unto the end. Therefore, they were saved. And now I ask of you, my brethren and sisters of the church, have ye spiritually been born of God? Have ye received his image in your countenances? Have ye experienced this mighty change in your hearts? All right, brothers and sisters, that's the power. That's the power of the, the Lord in our lives. Remember that he's merciful and he loves us, and I love you too. Thanks, Scriptorians. Keep on reading.